Yo, it is Big Board Monday, and Leaf Tulane, a.k.a. The Grinder, will be sharing his latest Big Board. Now, in his last Big Board, he had Jabari Smith falling to fourth, and I know people thought he was crazy, but find out if Jabari Smith is moving up or staying put here on the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. All right. Happy Monday. You are listening to the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast, your daily NBA draft podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Let me personally, I've made a name for myself as the guy that knows the international prospects. But my co-host Leif Tuline is known as the grinder because he spends more time watching college basketball film than anyone else. And today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, Leaf. Man, I heard you had a crazy weekend. 76 hours of, of working, doing commentating. Is that correct? Yeah, between a couple jobs, it's about that much. And and the, the one-hour drive uh, up, to, up to call games for a six-game homestand and back. So tired and haven't been able to watch as much film this week as as the reputation that precedes me has but I did put a lot of time into putting together a big board that I published and, and that's what we're going to go off of and uh, the top 20 um, little shameless plug top 20 have in-depth breakdowns so if you want to see the reasons for why they're ranked where they are uh, check that out aka the grinders not only is he covering minor league baseball driving hours back and forth working 76 hours on a weekend he still had time to put out a big board. And not only is it just a big board with the names and the rankings, he's given examples or he's, he gave supporting reasons why he has each player ranked where they are ranked. This is not just a list that he put down one through 20 and sent it out. They don't call him the grinder for nothing. All right. So let's, let's get right into it at number one. I agree with this wholeheartedly. I've been riding the Paolo Bancaro train all season and I, I I would take him number one. I think that people are over or undervaluing him like they did Jason Tatum back in 2017. I had posted a tweet a few days ago and it was basically a scouting report. It was from NBA draft.net and it was everything that they said about the weaknesses for Jason Tatum were literally pretty much the exact same things that people were saying about Paolo Bencaro. And if you look back at that draft, Markel Fultz, I think he was the best college player that season. I'm not, you know, I mean, that was a mistake, but I think at the time, I don't think it was too crazy, but Lonzo ball, I was never a guy that thought Lonzo ball was better than Jason Tatum. And here we are now, I think in a redraft Tatum obviously goes number one and some team is going to make the same mistake by passing up, Paulo Bancaro, but if it goes the way me and you have it, then that won't happen. So I've kind of shared my thoughts on Bancaro all season. What makes you so high on Bancaro and why do you have him as the number one player on your big board? I, I had Chet for a while as my number one in my last two big boards. And the, I kept saying to those who'd asked me, what um, like how big is the gap between Chet and the rest? And I was, I was saying it's hair tight. It's, it's, it's unbelievably close between he and Paulo. 
And uh, I think what changed my mind, and I wouldn't even say changed my mind, but just like put me over the top on pulling the trigger of putting Paolo number one, is that I think Paolo is that much better on offense, that Chet is that much better on defense than, than uh, Paolo. And in today's NBA, I'm prioritizing the guy who can score me 25 points a game, give me eight rebounds and four or five assists um, in a couple of years over the guy who who has a chance to be a good offensive player and has to work to become that all NBA level defender that Chet can be. So I, I think Paolo is not much like he's a solid defender in my opinion. And so the gap between he and Chet on defense is just as wide as the gap between Chet and Paolo on offense. And that's why I'll, I'll, I'll take the money to the bank that the guy who's good on offense and can be good on defense. And it's sometimes an effort thing with him. Um, I'll take my money to the bank on that one. And I think the, the tweet you sent out for Jason Tatum um, was, was spot on. And I think in that class, I also had Jason Tatum ahead of Markel Fultz. And I think it was a similar rationale. Yeah. I, I'm glad we agree. The crazy thing about Ben Carroll, you know, you, you hear about all oh, his defense, defense, defense. He averaged almost two stocks per game. I think it was like, if he, I forgot if he had like, if he played 37 games, he may have had 36 blocks, but he averaged over a steal per game. And I know, you know, the basic stats don't always, you know, give you a great indicator of how good somebody is on defense, but the way people make it seem as if he was just a horrible defender, I think some of it is effort, but again, you can say the same thing about, about Tatum. And then I also feel like a lot of times, and I mean, this happens in the NBA, when you have a great rim protector behind you, I think guys have a tendency to let somebody go by them because, you know, they know somebody's going to clean it up. We've seen it happen with the Utah Jazz pretty much entirely Rudy's career. Uh, and I think even with Gonzaga, some of their players used to let guys get by them because they knew Chet was going to clean it up and, and so on. So um, I agree with Ben Carroll, number one. You have Hungry number two. Now, again, this is not news if, if you've been following the podcast, but you still have Jaden Ivey over Jabari Smith. And one of the things I really really like and appreciate about you is that you are not afraid to go against the consensus i can imagine how many people have seen your big board from twitter and just tried to argue up and down of why jabari should be number one but what i appreciate about about you that i think is different than a lot of people is you're not letting any like media influence your your big board and and I, I wanted to tweet about it and I probably will one of the reasons why I like scouting in Europe is because I don't have any biases coming into it like I don't know who a lot of the guys are so I'm only going by what I see I don't know what they did two years ago like I'm coming in with a blank slate and I feel like a lot of people that are critiquing big boards they have allowed bigger media platforms to determine who they like, who they don't like. And it's almost like if you, I feel like if you, if everybody watched college basketball this season, if they watch games with no volume, didn't hear what commentators are saying, I think big boards will look really different, right? So that's, that's a whole different subject. So tell me why you have Jaden Ivey over Jabari Smith. I think it's for the same reason we, we spoke about last time. It's, it's that Jaden Ivey to me has this, top end potential that if he were to hit on all cylinders he becomes a really good ball handler a really good pick and roll navigator 
as and couples that explosive speed first step into what he could be he looks similar to John Morant maybe like a mix of John Morant and like Dwayne Wade if he hits that top 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 ceiling and I'm not saying he necessarily will but I see that as a top ceiling whereas the top ceiling I see for Jabari Smith is far lower and I see his most likely outcome and probably top ceiling as being a a supplementary score a very good one at that that could be a multiple time all-star but not a franchise changing superstar and when you're taking a pick at in the top four picks and this is obviously a big board, not a mock draft. So I'm not picking for fit here. But if you're if you're picking in those picks, you're looking for a guy who can alter your franchise. I think Paolo Bancaro can do that. I think with the right supporting cast, Chet Holmgren can do that. I think Jay Nivey can do that if he's given the rock and, let, and is given the ability to rock. And I think Jabari Smith is he was probably my favorite player of those four to watch in college. But I you watch you watch it from a different lens when you're evaluating them for the NBA fit. And he may have been the best college player with his efficiency, all of them were great, but Jabari doesn't have the same ceiling. And I think he needs a star to be the on ball dominant player. And the other three, well, Chet's a little different, but, but Ivy and Paolo in particular um, do not, they are that on ball talent that can transcend a franchise and really change the trajectory of a franchise. Yeah. I want to talk about this more at length in the second segment, because I, I have some comments of my own on, on Jaden Ivy. And I want to ask you about, um, a swing skill for him. But I want to talk to the audience about Trueville. And the question is, do you know why free trials renew without your consent? And that's because it is a business scam to get you for your dinero. Do not let the greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. And Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you do not need, want, or you simply forgot about. On the average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And that's because companies make the subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. There's a guy named Matthew who says in a matter of seconds, he saved $660 for the year on his direct TV bill. I do not know how you don't know your direct tv bill but he said he also saved 120 dollars a year on a serious xm bill and 840 dollars a year on car insurance now do not fall for the subscription scams you can start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on nba go right now truebill.com slash locked on nba all right the ultimate nba mock draft starts on june 16th with over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts, including myself and Leaf, plus the Odyssey insiders. The first pick is June 16th. Search the ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you do not miss a pick. All right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow, a.k.a. I don't even have an a.k.a. I guess I need to come up with one. But this is Rafael Barlow. Oh, I forgot to thank you. Thank you for each and every person that has made the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Just, I don't know why I forgot to thank you. It's usually something I do at the top of the show. All right, Leaf, let's let's talk about Jaden Ivey for a second. Now, I, I agree that he has the potential to be a superstar. Um, the Dwayne Wade comparison is kind of new. I've seen more so John Morant. I've seen Russell Westbrook. And I feel like in order for him to reach that maximum potential, he'll need to, to improve his mid-range shot. 
Now, what are your thoughts on the mid-range pull-up? Like, I, I had the stats, and, and I did it in a in a, in an article. I think he only shot like twenty nine percent on jumpers off the dribble. Do you think that's an easy fix for him? Yeah, I think that's not necessarily an easy fix, but I think that's something he'll see so often because of his blazing speed that I think he'll be able to do. Because if you watch him shoot the ball, his form looks fine. He shoots the ball pretty well um, off the bounce, even from three. And so once he finds the intermediate game, and that's what Ja Morant is. Well, the reason I compare him at, at all there is obviously the blazing speed and the ability to get the rim at will. But Ja developed a floater in a mid-range. And Jaden Jaden Ivey... Um, shot well out of the pick and roll and his and he he was able to hit the roll man well so i think that kind of intermediate game navigation as well as shooting um floaters and then finding roll men at while getting into that teeth of the defense at the nail um for those who don't know the nail at the free throw line once he gets to that area and then can operate throw down to the shooters in the corner to the dunk dunker spot and hits mid-range jumpers and floaters that is his swinging swing uh, swing skill because i think he's already a a plus to NBA defender when he puts his mind to it. He has the speed finishing ability. So if he's able to put it together and make those shots, that's the swing skill. And I, and I, I have a lot of faith that he'll be able to do that. I may, it may take half a season, but I think if you t- say, well, let's give this guy a season, half a season, and he figures that out, you've got a star at your hands. All right. Now this is where we disagree. He has shade and sharp at number six. And in your opinion, why is Shaden Sharp above Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis, guys that have proven themselves on the college level. And Keegan Murray, in my opinion, you can make a case and say he was the best player in college basketball last season. Definitely was super productive. And Johnny Davis had strong year, 19 points, eight rebounds per game. You were going with the unproven Sharp over those two. The floor is yours. Explain why. I'll preface this with saying that Sharp is my least confident rank in the top 15. Um, okay. Just because there's not a definitive part of film that I can really watch and say, well, this will translate because I saw him do it against college players. This will translate because I saw him do it at the, at the highest level. Um, even in like U19, you don't get to see him. So it's against high schoolers. Yeah, this is an upside swing. And I considered moving him down uh, to nine because of that, that same thing that the guys uh, following him have a ton of production, but then I decided, well, if you're taking a guy top five, six, you you may want to ride upside. And what he has in spades is, is two traits that make NBA guards very good. He's got size and he's got athletic ability that scouts will drool over. And you see those dunks in the pro days. I'm not a fan of dunking in pro days because that tells me nothing. But he does, that shows the athletic ability. He also, at the high school level, was able to create a boatload of space and a plethora of moves. He's big. He's he's got silky smooth like strides. Is is he a question mark? Do I feel less confident about him? Absolutely. But is there a chance he has a higher potential than Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin, uh, Benedict Mather, and those guys? I think so too. And so I, I'm going to trust the intel. And I think people move people him down because of the intel at the combine because he was hidden he didn't play but everyone had him number five before the combine i think there's a reason for that because of the natural talent he possesses so he may need to be coddled and brought along slower but i think he's got more upside than just about anyone in this draft so here's my debate with that when everyone had him at number five it was based off of what (laughs) the peach jam so I, i do think that um 
And actually, I was able to get access to watch the games. I do think that if a big platform like ESPN says Leaf Tulane is the fifth best prospect in this draft, there are people that are going to say you're the fifth best prospect. They're going to mock you, right? <laughs> it's I don't so, blame them, I know. <laughs> so I, I do think a lot of people follow and a lot of people have made strong cases for him. And, and these are just general fans, just off of what they saw on highlights. So my this is where I'm torn at, because if Jaden Ivey, Yannick Sosa, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Peyton Watson, Caleb Houston, if none of these guys step a foot on the basketball court this season, they would be in the same, they'd be, we'd be talking about them as lottery picks. Like <laughs> that's the part that you make very valid points there. That, I can't argue any of that. I mean, at one point, like people thought that Jaden Hardy had a chance of being the number one pick. They were comparing him to maybe a little bit less explosive Jalen Green, but they thought that he had maybe more upside as a lead guard. So he plays this season. And I mean, there's a chance it could still happen but he doesn't have the same pizzazz around his name as he did coming into the season. Uh, Yannick Sosa, people thought he was going to be a top five pick. Now it's a chance he may not even get drafted. Patrick Baldwin Jr., same thing. And there's still some people that believe in him as a first-round pick, despite the fact that he hasn't really looked good in two years. And... He hasn't, he's, he's dealt with a couple injuries and some people are still thinking that he's a, you know, a, a top five pick all based off of what he did prior to college. I'm a guy that I go by, what did you do in college on the highest level? Now, Sharp could end up going as high as four, but then I, I've seen some reports and I've talked to some people and they were saying that he could be someone that falls on draft night because they say like a team like Portland is probably not going to take a risk because they're trying to win now. They're saying like Indiana, that's not necessarily their front office's history of taking big swings. Then I think uh, they said New Orleans may not do it because they don't necessarily have a need at that position. They say San Antonio probably not going to take that swing. So they were saying that he could possibly fall to like a New York Knicks team, which uh, I'm sure Knicks fans would love it. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be very, very interesting to see where he goes on, on draft night. All right. So another question I have for you is I, I'll say you got Keegan Murray at number seven. You got Jalen Duran at eight, Benedict Matherin at nine, Jaden Hardy at 10. All right, so despite the fact that, and we just talked about him, he didn't have like the greatest season, you're still a believer in Jaden Hardy. Yeah, I was expecting this question. So I think I got a good answer for this. And obviously everyone has their own opinions, but my, my speech for Hardy and as to why I think he's a top 10 prospect is one, I watched him in high school and we talked about like prior um, watching and, and I, I don't factor it in too much. There are some players such as Caleb Houston, I have in my 40s because I saw him in college struggling some things. Long story short, though, with Hardy is I think he earned the opportunity at a pro basketball at 18 years old, now 19 years old, to be the man. 
on a team that featured fellow lottery picks or expected lottery picks. He, they, there's three guys on that team that'll likely be go in the first round and and maybe four. And he was he earned the opportunity to be the guy. He was inefficient, but as an 18 year old playing against pros, I expect inefficiency. But what I what you don't see in that inefficiency is the shots he was able to create, the wiggle he has. Um, his athletic traits are not like bounce out of the gym, but he's got good burst, good quickness, good first step. He creates a lot of space on step backs and has, and I saw him throughout the year, he really started slowly. And as he became accustomed to professional basketball and the physicality with which they play in the G league, Jaden Hardy continued to get better, had games where he was excellent. And I don't think in a team where there's a lot of talents, they all deferred to his talent. And that, not deferred, that's not right the word, but he was the, the guy. And I saw flashes of playmaking, which is the big question is, is he just Cam Thomas? Um, and I think that's a fair question, but can he playmake? I think so. And if you're, if you're telling me he's the, the go-to scorer and one of the better players in a league that's full of grown men as 18 years old, I think he, he warrants a top 10 pick and you, you try to cultivate those unique skills that he uh, was able to display, at least at parts, um, in a professional league. Yeah, I want to touch on Jaden Ivey, but I got to talk to the audience about Bet Online, and that's because Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's NBA Finals, NHL Hockey Conference Finals, MLB, and of course, fighting news, MMA, UFC, and boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. All right. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, Leaf Tuling. And we left off with Jaden Hardy. And I've I've had a chance to watch his film. And uh I do think that he he does have a little bit more point guard elite ball skills than Cam Thomas. I don't think that he was really able to to showcase it but it, it's almost a situation where i don't know if he goes 10 like like where you have him at. i'm not sure about that if he ends up going let's say in the teens then he actually lost money by playing in in the g league ignite right for the g league ignite so i wonder is that the the theory behind what everything that went on with shade and sharp because once ESPN said that he was, you know, the top player in the 2020, 2022 high school class and was a projected top five pick in 2023. And he ended on such a high note last year from the standpoint of his, of the people around him, his camp, whatever, it made sense just to say, you know what? His stock is super high. Let's just do what we have to do to protect his stock. And Jaden Hardy probably was their best example because when I did, you know, you look at all the old preseason um, coming into the season projected mock drafts, Hardy was top five, top seven at the very minimum. And now he's not even, you know, getting a lot of buzz for being a lottery, a lottery pick. So, um, I mean, it just shows that there's a huge cat and mouse game between advisors scouts i mean it's it's crazy and i think that this is going to be the trend if sharp ends up being a top five pick then what player that do we think that is going to be in the 2024 draft 
all of a sudden pops up eligible for 2023. All right, let's talk about another player that we're both high on, and that is Blake Wesley. I've been hearing nothing but good things about Blake Wesley and his workouts. Um, I did an article on NBABigBoard.com, and he was one of the four players that I had been hearing was was rising. Um, he he has um, he's been working out with teams that are projected to go in the lottery, so I think that is very good for him. And I know you've talked about it before, and I think somebody kind of kind of mentioned it on Twitter about why are you so high on Blake Wesley. So this is your chance to tell the audience who may not have saw the tweet, why are you so high on Blake Wesley? I think Blake Wesley uh, is, is similar to Jaden Ivey in the way that you can't teach burst. You can't teach acceleration. The way he gets the rim at ease is really impressive. Uh, he didn't finish fabulously, but I'll take it as someone who gets to the rim easily and, and puts on strength and finishes well. And I also think Blake Wesley, and you and I have spoken about this before, Blake Wesley entered a Notre Dame team that made the tournament that had six seniors. He was the lone yeah. freshman, hadn't played much EYBL basketball due to COVID. And he came in and was the best player. And he fit on the court immediately at a, a high level team that was just a minute away from making the sweet 16. They barely lost to Texas tech at a game I was at. And, and I was sitting behind the Notre Dame bench and you could just see Blake Wesley when they needed a bucket against one of the best defenses in college basketball, they gave it to Blake Wesley to isolate against NBA level guards like Kevin McCuller. And he would blow by them, get to the rim. If he finished, that was another story. And I think part of it was nerves. He got added. You told me he added about, about nine, 10 pounds. His jump shots looking more fluid. And I think he's already an NBA level defender at a youthful age, getting better as a jump shooter. And there's no stopping him getting to the rim. And he's, he's got a very uh, good handle at, at a young age. And I, I think that if he's able to shoot NBA level, like league average level, uh, I think you've got yourself a potential steal. And he reminds me a little bit of Tyrese Maxey, who was an, a guy I was pretty high on in that draft class. And, and he's obviously been very good for the 76 or so far. And that's who he compared himself to. I sat down with Blake and did an interview. He told me that he, I believe he said he got to campus at 175. And right now he's at about 189. I think that's what he told me. This was a few weeks ago. And I, when I was asking him who was a, a good player comparison for him, and Maxi was one of his, his comparisons. I didn't see Maxi when I saw him. I thought, I thought that he had a little bit of... Michigan Karis LeVert in his game as far as just kind of being like a I can see that yeah someone that I think at one point they were playing LeVert at the point but a, like a just someone that can create their, his own shot and the thing about Blake's athleticism is it's not like Ivy's because Ivy's is just pure like explosiveness and Blake's is like this sneaky smooth athleticism and that part does remind me of Maxi, but yeah, I'm, I'm high on Blake. I think that he should be a lottery pick. One of my ideal fits for him would be Washington um, and maybe even Atlanta. But before we wrap this episode up, this is, and I know you've probably been, you're, you're preparing for this question. You have Johnny Davis at number 16. Johnny Davis's consensus on most big boards as a lottery pick so you're not impressed by the 19 points the eight rebounds the the motor and everything that he brings to the table you just weren't at oh i shouldn't say not impressed you're just not as high on him as the consensus why is that 
yeah, I, I was impressed by it. I, I just, I, I'm not as impressed by the, as the consensus is. Um, I have a number 16 on my board, so not too far out. Uh, the reason that I have him at 16 is I don't see the way he scores being as translatable in the NBA. And I think people that have him in the top six, seven, and you know, that's not terribly common, but people have him there. Um, I think they expect him to be a go-to scorer. And I don't see him scoring the way he scored in college in the NBA. The only guy in the NBA who really scores that way um, that is about his size is DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar DeRozan is an anomaly. Uh, Johnny Davis shoots by scoring, uh, scores by shooting over smaller guards. And he's got very good touch around the rim of floaters and mid-range game. I don't see him at all as a, as a, like a lead score at some point. And I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong. Cause I like the guy, but I see him more as a Josh Hart role, someone who can rebound the ball, uses athletic traits to help a team hit open shots um, and defend at a decent level. And, and, and I was very high on Josh Hart. Actually. Um, I had him about at 17, 18 on my big board and, and I've got Johnny Davis at 16. They came in with different acclaim. Josh Hart went 30th to the Lakers, but I, I think that, the way Davis scores isn't necessarily easy to do in the NBA and his jump shot, which he shot well from the free throw line, which makes me believe he can make standstill shots. He didn't have the greatest efficiency down the road in the season. And I, I think that if you want a guy in the top 10, you want him to be a primary score for the most part, unless they're a defensive absolute stud and he's not bad, but I don't see him that way. And I see him more as a complimentary piece that can be a three and D and that's the range. I would take a three and D that I see the level of Johnny Davis's play. So that's kind of my rationale. See, I like Davis. I think that the shooting can be fixed. I think he shot 38% on catch-and-shoot jumpers this year. And in a reduced role where he's not taking as many tough shots and the entire defense isn't focused on him, I think he can be effective. I think if he can improve the three-point shooting, then it opens everything up for him as far as being able to attack a closeout, and, um, yeah, I just think that he is starting to be a, 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 a little bit underrated in a sense. And I will say, like, the efficiency towards the end of the season, I think a lot of that is related to when he sprained his ankle. He wasn't the same player. And then and you, you look at in context, he was not surrounded by very much floor spacing and shooting. So I think that played a big role in his shot selection and him taking tough shots. Now, yes, he does rely on the mid range game and, you know, that's not very analytics friendly in an analytics driven NBA. So I could see the concerns there, but uh, you, you brought up valid points and only thing we can do is just kind of wait and see what, what happens and we can revisit this in about a year. Well, man, thank you so much we're, we're running out of time i mean this episode could have went on for two or three hours because your big board is so different and against the against the grain which is something that I, I really appreciate but before we go i want to talk to the audience about the locked on nba podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament all the way until the end of the nba finals which could be this week we could have a new champion by the end of this week but check out the Locked On NBA podcast. I mean, they have ins insight and analysis that are not only affecting the teams in the playoffs, but affecting all 30 teams. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow. My guest, Leaf to not my guest, I'm sorry. My co-host, Leaf Tulane, he just gave us a glimpse of his big board. And Leaf, before we go, where can they see your full big board at? 
Uh, my full big board is on my Twitter page. It's posted there and it's it's linked it's linked to Fanspo Sports. And I will uh, I'll repost it and retweet it when this podcast comes out. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think. And and like Raphael was doing poking holes, my theory is is fully supported. I, I would love to discuss with you guys uh, what you think about the board and and more uh, breakdowns are coming in the coming days. All right. Thanks again. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, man. We're all just doing our big boards and our mocks. None of us are right. The NBA teams aren't going to be right. So nobody's right at this point. It's all what we think is going to happen. We're all just kind of guesstimating and hoping. So this is what makes this so much fun. So once again, it's Rafael Barlow. He is Leaf Tulane. He just gave you his big board. And we are out.